Friday afternoon deploys like Buffalo Wild Wings. A consistent two and a half star experience every time. feel like um like who was it jacob that wrestled god like i feel like that not the elastic search is god by any means but um that like i just I touched feel your like, hip elastic search has displaced your hip and now yes exactly and it's like and, and like i know better but still <laughs> i'm struggling with it just like no i think i can get the better of you elastic it's not it's not I, it i i think the two gig memory cap is a suggestion Prove me wrong. And <laughs> I, I think it's proved me wrong. Um, yep. So that, that's what I mean by battling Elasticsearch. I'm just like, really? Two gigs? Come on. As a minimum, you mean? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. I can't get it to fire up on a Kubernetes cluster because it's like. Because all of I our mean, nodes have two gigs of RAM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it goes it. on one. And it, it, start with C4X larges. Yeah. C5s, whatever gen they're on now. And it's. It's, you know, like, that's what's frustrating about it is, like, I and I get it. Like, I mean, that makes it stupid fast to be able to search through because I mean, it, you put the whole damn data set in memory and memory, you know, but for what I'm trying to do, like, I don't need that much memory. I won't even load that much. <laughs> I'm not it good. doesn't trust you, though. It says, yeah, no. you say that now. Yeah. But we know what you're going to do later. It's like, I, yeah, man, I'm, talking, just, I'm putting gonna put it all in here. And you're going to thank us that we let you only make us two gigs of space. He's like the bouncer. And you're just like, I'm just, no, I got one buddy. That's just let my one buddy in, you know, I'm only going to put like maybe, maybe like 10 megabytes of Jason in this thing. That's it. That's all I want. You know, that's all, you know, yeah. And like, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe somebody I know shows up. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Data scientist and he crams. A bunch of data in there. He's like, on your behalf, and knocks it over. Check this yeah. out. I serialized the entire database to JSON, and I will now <laughs> stuff it into a single row of one index. And in, in Stupid fast, yeah, fast <laughs> as hell. Um, Bound so, only by network latency. So the other, the other thing that I was battling, um, like it, you know, that that's been my problem late. Uh, of late and it is really where i think i'm i just got to concede and Elasticsearch just needs two gigs of memory just to live just um, to do it but the other the other thing i was working with was um so i'm working on a you know y'all y'all that are listening may know by now that we're kind of well i'm rancher certified and tyrell is too the whole team is everybody but me i'm the only one that hasn't gotten that cert me and joseph yeah well you know um it's not hard. I you could do it. I'll I was, do it. I'm gonna do it. I was surprised. Like Tyrell kept telling me, like uh, you know, even before we dropped it on the team, like, "Hey, dude, I just did this." And, I saw that it was oh, like it, it was listed as like a five hour course, but everybody on the team was like, "I'm gonna go try it. I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I know I didn't get a hundred percent, but um, I, you know, I mean, I guess that makes sense because we're running 
we're running multiple Kubernetes clusters from Rancher. Obviously, I have some sort of confidence. We all do. Right. Um, but, you know, that that definitely just kind of proved it. Especially when was, we're talking to the customers. We're experts. Yeah. We, all, we put all their mission critical workloads on that shit. Yeah, we know oh, what we're we doing. Know, we know what we're doing. Um, but uh, so, so what I'm working with specifically, so we've got our Rancher cluster in AWS. And then I have stood up another cluster in DigitalOcean from our Rancher cluster in AWS. And so that takes a little bit just to kind of wrap your mind around. Of like, well, I'm in AWS, but no, I'm not in AWS, not not over here. So there was a few things. Um, so so our images, our images are still in ECR. Um, that was know, something that I, I forgot about. The luxury yeah. of running this all in AWS, you give your nodes yeah. an IAM role that gives them ECR access, and you can just pull, you know, willy nilly. No yeah. credentials required, you know. Right. This is yeah. this is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just have you know. They, yeah, exactly. They're using the user in in the AWS, and um, and so when you're across the bridge over in DigitalOcean, looking at it from AWS, you know that could be kind of frustrating. Where you're like, ah, but the image is over here. Why can't you just pull it and send it over the wire or something <laughs> like? But it, it's the notes in DigitalOcean that have to pull it, you right. know. Um, and, and, so, and it's for good reason that there's not a mechanism to run that through Rancher because how yeah. many times <laughs> now have we chopped Rancher's head off? Um, at least at least half a dozen times that we yeah. have completely destroyed our <laughs> Rancher cluster and the workloads in Kubernetes are fine, right? right. How many times yeah. have we chopped the head off of a Kubernetes cluster? We don't have masternodes. We don't have a controller, Right but the workloads are fine. If you yeah. made it where those workloads had to pull their images through Rancher, we'd have been mm. stuck right in those scenarios. Yeah. So it is yeah, smart. Exactly. It is smart that there's not yeah. a, a single point of failure there, but right. also right. can be frustrating. And so, um, so I set up a special secret um, and, you know, and basically it's just the secret that's configured to be a registry, you know? And so that's a, that a just Docker registry. Uh, yeah, Got yeah, it. basically that's, you know, that's more or less what we did to the Kubernetes cluster. Kubernetes cluster is using Docker login because ECR from AWS has like this way that they've misused, if you will, the, uh, Docker login so that Kubernetes doesn't really know it's not logging into Docker hub and it doesn't care. Um, you know, and so that's they give you a command. Like when you go to ECR and you look, there's a button up there that says like "View my push commands." And the first command they get you to paste in your terminal is to to log in to Docker. Right. Um, you know, but it it does that just by like your users, AWS, everyone's is I guess for ECR, and uh, and then it it uses your special endpoint to you know, looking at it like you did stand up your own uh, Docker registry, right? You know, which you could do your own repository. Of, of I was going to say, that's the alt solution there is to actually host a registry within yeah. your cluster. Right. Right. And so, you know, that's sort of what we're doing with ECR. We're just letting ECR handle all of that. And, um, and so, so I set up that, uh, set up that registry and then, um, you can do this other cool thing in Kubernetes where you can build uh, cron jobs. 
And I haven't, I haven't done this yet. I've been wrestling with Elasticsearch, but I've, I've got the means to do it. So you can set up a cron job to use Cubecuddle to, um, to, re-authenticate yeah yeah get it yeah, get a token and then cre- recreate that um that secret um because they're they're only good for 12 hours i think i'm not 100 on what they're good for but there's a lifespan on them definitely to, yeah they have an l they have a uh, what is it uh, i can't remember uh, the word now time to live ttl uh, yes that's yeah, the yeah, one. yeah 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 um yeah which is good too um and uh and so so i got that stood up so that was just that was one of the hurdles and the other one was you know we we've had such a dickens of a time trying to get ebs you know to play well with uh with our kubernetes clusters for for persistent volume claims right and i think we've gotten pretty good at that to where i even kind of took that for granted was just like okay so how do i do this on digital ocean that's the weird thing i couldn't find in in uh, in rancher you know you can set up a storage class right and they didn't have a DigitalOcean engine for that um, like they did the other right so i used longhorn um which i kind of i'd mentioned in our development uh chat uh or channel or slack channel at lofty and uh tyrone's like, yeah tell me about that wait no wait for the podcast yes here we are um yeah exactly uh you know perfect timing so- yeah <laughs> yeah so so there may be there may be pitfalls uh with longhorn um but that's that's what i used and longhorn is kind of a it seems to be a rancher solution for um persistent volume claims that's just it's a generic engine you know to be able to do that and so what it does is it it just takes the actual nodes storage you know so the the worker nodes themselves that you're running pods in, right and it can divvy that up as as storage oh for, okay for the pods. so you yeah. you got to have your own cluster storage and it i it, it makes perfect sense i mean it's, ex- yeah. it's yeah. setting up docker volumes right across exactly the, uh, across that storage pool yeah yeah and it's you know and there's a couple of ways you could do that they have another way that's a host path and so you know, that could be good if you really need to get specific with it. You can mount it just like in the Docker Compose. Mount that volume uh, at a certain yeah, location on the host. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Longhorn works just like how, you know, we've set up our specific uh, uh, storage classes for EBS. Um, works just like that. So everything can use that storage class and then be able to have its persistent storage so that was like warning number one that Elasticsearch had given me because it you you go by their documentation and they're just like this little piece of yaml and it's not very big it's it's probably less than 10 10 lines of yaml and you can import this in in rancher or just you know cube control and reference that as a spec and then you get uh you get three pods out of that um get uh, you get a master, you get your data pod, and then you get a client uh, client pod. I'm going to say that already. And then you get a, a web uh, pod as well. For the API. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, so I, I set that up. And the first thing, it's like, oh, I don't have persistent volume. No so volume. Then that's yeah. down that path where I was like, oh, man, how, yeah, how do you do this? Um, so, you know, presumably, if you're in Azure, um, Rancher does have 
They do have storage classes like pre-built for Azure. I think so. Yeah, and GKE as well. Yeah, Google, GKS. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, still still loving Rancher, man. It's uh, It makes it, I feel like I have to remember less of the things to be able to run multiple Kubernetes clusters. 100%. No and doubt about that. And human being while I do it. Not, you know. Well, it's, and, you know. It's even, been one of those. Go ahead, Tyrell. Fight me. Uh, it's been one of those things where as I've, used Rancher more, I've seen the need to understand Kubernetes more. Mm. And then as I've understood Kubernetes more, I've appreciated Rancher more mm-hmm. and, and leaned more into the tool set it gives me. It's it's actually been really like refreshing um, in the in that context because it's not as if it, it's it Rancher still like leans heavily into Kubernetes and the tooling around that like kubectl and all that stuff. And it's totally and so, enabled by all of that. You know, Rancher right. builds its own custom, uh, not specs, what do they call them? It's like assets in um, mm. Kubernetes, whatever they're called. But like, there's a construct, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's and workloads are actually like a derivative of a service in the deployment um, in that way. Mm. Custom entities. Yeah, it's, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, like, you know, we uh, we'd start off just uh, playing around with clusters, um, you know, by hand, deploying them with with kubectl, and we were using cops, um, cops. to you know, which is kind of a wrapper around some Terraform scripts. I was to say it's like a it's a cops. It's a Terraform generation. It generates stuff that generates cloud formation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. that's the thing about the the I guess modern DevOps yeah. just like modern JavaScript and modern Kubernetes all of it is just like a bunch <laughs> of derivative shit all stacked on top of each other. Well, this calls yeah. that, and then this generates this thing that that thing needs, and what the hell's Tiller? I still don't know. Uh, <laughs> I just know you need it to run Helm. <laughs> you need it. You need it it's all on the yeah yeah well client client server relationship there. It's what that is. Helm's you the client. Tiller Tiller's in the server. Yeah yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't have one without the other. Well, what so really confused me is that I didn't realize that Tiller was a ship reference. And because I was looking yeah, at yeah, Kubernetes yeah. through the rancher aspect, which is all about farming and ranching, I was like, I was thinking of like a Tiller, like, you know, to cut up the ground. And I was like, what the hell does that yeah. have to do with Helm? Yeah. I didn't. Why are they mixing these motifs? The same thing. And what's funny was I thought Helm yeah. like a helmet. Yeah, yeah, I thought helm like helmet until I realized you saw helm the ship's wheel. Ship. Kubernetes has got Tiller the ship's wheel as a logo, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so the tiller, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just another another word for the uh, steering wheel, I suppose. Some, some slang for it. It it uh, definitely there is a mix of motifs there that mm. you know, and I guess that's what's gonna when there's that many derivative parts, you just run out of sh- ship stuff to talk about, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like uh, uh we're, we're, even, even Kubernetes is obscure, right? It's Greek for uh, sailor, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Kubernetes is Greek for sailor. Sounds Rancher right. actually had its own Kubernetes competitor, I believe, initially. So they weren't; they were looking for they were doing their own container orchestration software, and uh, cattle, cattle, uh, right? What what became what they converted cattle to? So cattle still so runs they, and in, then they decided, in Rancher right? Workloads. But it runs Kubernetes now. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not uh, its yeah. own right. container orchestration, right? Uh, and, software. 
and Kubernetes used to be called Borg whenever it was private and yeah. Google only. Yeah. I guess they realized that there could be some shaky waters between Paramount and CBS and nah. everyone else out there. They could have won that battle. Uh, yeah, I think I Borg think was so. a better name, you know. Oh, it was. It yeah. makes way more sense, really, in, in the scheme of things. Uh, you know, but Kubernetes is clever because it does ma- it does manage your uh, your Docker containers, you know, which are the whales, you know. God. Yeah, I it's haven't not, put all this together. <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got to explain it, yeah, it, it yeah. gets lost. Like when you have to be like, "Oh, Kubernetes, it's Greek," and also no one knows how to spell it, so we all say K eight. It's like you guys are a bunch of morons. It's like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's also true. Yeah. We have to remember a lot of stuff. Like, so we're selective yeah. with what we remember. It's that's correct. I, I I got to guide someone through their their own personal rancher. Uh, rancher drowning in terms. Was that, was that the email thread mm. that I observed today? Yeah, I got on a live chat with him uh, and got him squared away. But yeah, he was just like, I, I tried to kill this and this didn't go away. I was like, well, did you kill a pot or no? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, well, that's an important yeah, distinction. Yeah, big <laughs> distinction between those things. <laughs> Two very different things. Yeah. One is yeah, like, I was like, like my, my guy. And the other Rancher one's like cutting off, off your finger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got rid of the fingernail. It's gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Fly yeah. with a sledgehammer. So, um, but now I got him all squared away, and uh, it it was good. But yeah, I, I, it was. I got to. They, I was grateful that I had taken that course mm. because this particular engineer that we've handed this project off to uh, is known to rapid fire questions at you. Uh, and, well, he uh, does. Brett, Even in an email context, I got like man, he six just, emails he from him in thirty minutes. Him. Yeah, and, and he'll do it live too, and so it feels like a pop. Every conversation feels like a pop quiz. Yep. Like he doesn't. Rather than going like, "Oh, I'll go find out what that means," he's just like, "I'm just going to pound you with all my questions since I've got you in front of me." Mm-hmm. And and to to a point, I totally get that. But he's but very he efficient at it. You know. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. But his efficiency can be, can be and, and this is personality stuff, whatever. His efficiency can be perceived as curtness and yes. just like, well, explain yourself. Like yes. I, the whole time mm-hmm. I'm on the call with him, I feel like I'm defending myself. And I've had yeah. to realize like, no, none of that's true. He's asking questions. He just don't know. And he hasn't gone to the doc. Yeah. So that's when I just started emailing him links to doc and be like, no, nah, it's yeah. like this. And then doc link. And then he'd be like, what about this? I'd be like, also kind of like this doc link. Yeah. And eventually, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just read some docs now instead of. <laughs> replying to emails all day long like, yeah, yeah that's probably your best use of time yeah you'll learn a lot more than just the answer to your question <laughs> it is resourceful because there was like a, the first couple of times i was like johnny on the spot where he'd ask and i'd be like yep this and then you'd ask and be like this and then one time he uh you know rapid fire like he does and i'd walk away i thought that was the end of the question and i went yep, to lunch i've done that back, and there were more <laughs> questions and so i'm like oh yeah no yo yo dude sorry i stepped away for a little bit uh yeah you that thing and he's now i gotta figure it out like oh Try yeah. that first next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, there were times. I that into Google again the next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were there were at least three e- emails I think in the chain that we were in, Casey, where he would ask a question and then email back in like four minutes saying, he "No, I figured it. that out." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it. I got that. Now about this. Uh, no, never mind. I was just like, "Hey, easy, homeboy." <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you're, not, you're gonna wear all of us out in that way. I, I think that's the confidence thing. I I think 
you know, when you when you're kind of trying to get your feet wet, especially you know, Cooper Day's Ranch or all that sort of thing, and and anytime you're getting a new gig or something like. Well, and yeah, we've worked, we've worked for that client, um, and and I think we all can objectively say that there was a um, a very consistent sense of urgency all the time, you know, mm-hmm. yep. uh, which which is going to incentivize at least the optics of I'm working very hard to get the answer to the question, as you can mm-hmm. see, yeah. as evidenced by C- yeah. being cc'd on this email. Uh, yeah. I'm aggressively yeah. working I did, I did at solving appreciate it. Appreciate the constant stream of CCs. Yes, <laughs> uh, where no, where nothing was contributed, only observed. I expect an email Tuesday from the other individual going, "Thanks for your help." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> that will that will be what will happen. That's Two funny. to three days later, we will get a a response. Good, good job. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's appreciate fun. you guys. It's it's the the Kubernetes. It's here to stay uh, yep. for us yep. and for the world. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold and I'm gonna give me a hot take on the podcast in front of everybody. The team knows about it, Casey, but you don't know if this is gonna happen. Oh shit! This is what happens when you tell your DOE <laughs> to take more. When I, to take, when like, I say you own it, it's yours. Yeah. Like, I'm over cool, here bro. making fucking YouTube videos and uh, we're going else. to Haskell on Rails. Are we uh, really? No. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's one, next. Yeah. That's uh, that's next episode's topic. Uh, yeah. uh, no, but I am. Um, we're currently exploring um, local rancher and local Kubernetes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Stopping, stopping. Existing guys, in the Docker world locally, and those, Kubernetes uh, in production. Is this, is this via fires, like uh, Minikube locally? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what we're trying to determine. Mini, I, yeah, Kubernetes I think, says Minikube, but I've not been able to find a good rancher Minikube kind of space. I love that. Um, do, you, do you know why I like that? Probably for the same reasons that you decided to do it. You probably don't know anything that I don't. But I love the idea of, of course, one of the great things about Docker was having parity and local development uh, to production, you know, mm-hmm. beyond the concept of works on my machine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. But there still is a little bit of works on my machine when it comes to the actual, like, mm-hmm. Kubernetes configuration, networking, that kind of stuff. Right. So I do right. like the idea that, because uh, then that opens the door for, like, a CI workflow that actually pushes Rancher config to production, and it's, it's yep. truly all environment-based, right? Yeah, I, this, is, I, this is the future. I think we could definitely do it because I remember when when Hayden was throwing around terms like rancher, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't even know about Kubernetes. Like, because he's <laughs> telling me he's telling me all about rancher, like you know, a couple like a year ago, a couple years ago, I guess now. Uh, and and he's saying it, and I'm going, it all sounds good, man, but I don't believe it really. Like, you know, he's like, ah, oh, you can just you can manage multiple clusters with it and stuff. I'm like, I don't know, man. Um, and so the first time I ever ran it, I ran it locally. So, so I know, I know it can be done. And I think like my first shot at it, I haven't tried it yet recently, but my first shot at it might even be to run it from Docker and then point it at my local mini cube and have it manage my mini cube for me, basically. Like use put what you're going to put rancher in a doc in your Docker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The the only That's, thing that I've seen and that then Rancher's the device gonna provision. That, yeah, okay. 
that could point rancher to my local mini cube import cluster. it as a cluster mm-hmm. interesting yeah yeah that might be a good idea um i'm gonna I try it. they say uh, the only thing to be mindful of is and you know what that'll be fine because i always forget this is the thing that 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 does always confound uh, and frustrate me about rancher is you know, even with the certification it was this way they talk about rancher so much um initially and what they're talking about is deploying rancher on kubernetes yes and so so in our instance it's because they talk about like if you're going to to deploy rancher in a highly available uh environment it you always to have be to be running with on a kubernetes, kubernetes you can't do yeah. it from docker right and so that's why i was going to be like oh you gotta wait but actually but only for high availability can, i guess yeah, yeah that's right. only for high availability i can match the rancher button, higher availability yeah. you can have non-high available rancher managing high available clusters of yes, kubernetes for sure so yeah. that, that's where that's where you kind of go Whoa. but yeah. it's it's the truth and so you don't need high avail- availability rancher necessarily and we've already got a rancher cluster so running running uh dockerized rancher locally to run mm. our kubernetes cluster that doesn't that doesn't prevent us from running highly available quote unquote local rancher uh local kubernetes clusters that we can then turn and modify and deploy immediately yeah no i yeah. rancher because the my first my first go with uh with kubernetes was getting this app running on minikube because i wasn't going to go stand up a cluster in aws and Go whoops! Sorry, that yeah. was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, six six <laughs> days and, and fifteen thousand dollars later, I <laughs> left that on for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I uh, you know so I'd gotten it, it running on Minikube, and that was with the Cube Cuddle, you know, and and you just you do the same thing like you would do with Cube Cuddle. You you just tell Cube Cuddle to use my Minikube Kubernetes config, and then it. It's talking in the context of, of Minikube. Which is exactly sure. what uh, what Rancher does. When you yeah. use the Rancher CLI to orchestrate, you do a Rancher login. And all it does is it downloads a, a, a cube config and mm-hmm. sets the environment variable for, for the cube, cube config. Yeah. And, and now you yeah. can use kubectl and you're pointing at, at your cluster. Right. And I feel like they're a bit lazy to make us do Rancher kubectl. Yes. Is, uh, at least obfuscate that. At least make <laughs> us think we're doing something besides yeah. simply logging oh, in. With, with they could have, yeah, or, yeah. Lasso's good. <laughs> or, just, or just rancher magic. Rancher magic yeah, apply. Exactly. You know, yeah. uh, that yeah. would work. And it, it could be running. It could be running that under the hood, and that's fine. I'll be glad to be none the wiser. But don't make it like so obvious. It's like, yeah, basically, you're just using rancher for off. I guess devil's advocate on that is if I was a true Kubernetes commando. And mm-hmm. then I'm switching to Rancher. Mm-hmm. To go, yeah, that's cool. But how do I cube cuddle? Like, yeah, I, know, I know how to do this with cube cuddle. I know how to set up secrets and stuff. But oh, how do I do it in Rancher? You know. So I, I think Touché. I think that's that's kind of the other you know the other benefit to that. Well, you know what else we need to try? It's going to come up. There's going to be an opportunity for it, and that is uh, K3s. If you guys haven't seen it yet, what seen K3s. This? I don't nope. even remember yes. what the moniker stands for. It's just Kubernetes, but smaller. It's shorter. It's smaller. No, that's yeah, that's, that's it. the point, right? It's, it's, it's half five, an eight. So they can <laughs> <number> <laughs> out. 
It's, it really <laughs> is. even kidding. Yeah. That's literally what it is. It's, it's Kubernetes, but wow. half the length, right? You go from 10 yeah. to 5 characters because it's, it's 8 plus K and S. That's 10, right? And so K3s is, a, is I, mm. I think, a rancher mm. flavor. I think they're the creators yeah. of it. It's a very yeah. small frame yeah. Kubernetes. Yeah. It's designed for edge computing, right? It's yeah. designed for running Kubernetes IoT. at edge. IoT. IoT edge. It will run, I believe, on an ARM processor. And I think you can run yep. K3s on a Raspberry Pi. And yep. so as we're doing, uh, you know, we, we've done a lot of projects with our clients around IoT stuff where we actually need yep. to, we're gathering data from devices, right? And typically how we're doing that is we're working with clients that have like a cellular modem, which would still be required at the hardware level. Mm. And then just the ability to push to a webhook, right? And then we'll take over data collection from there. But imagine the ability to actually be able to remotely deploy workloads directly to the IoT devices. Mm. That's going to come up. We have a need for that. That's important. We already yeah. have a need for that. I can look mm. at an old client that we did for those um, uh, the, that kitchen equipment that we had. Yep. In which, uh, like, yeah. they we actually ended up building an endpoint for that thing to go download firmware. But if yeah. it were actually just downloading Docker images and running it on device, how slick would that be? Um, mm-hmm. and it's completely headless. It's, it's in that same way. Like it loses mm-hmm. its connection to the internet. That's no big deal. All of its workloads are local, right? Uh, which yep. means that like you can work out architectures in which it is a, it is a shadow of the cloud. Um, so it can record information locally and then automatically retract once it regains internet connectivity, um, actually start pushing that data up so it can buffer all of its information locally with a local API. Cause you could deploy a shadow of your backend air quotes image to the device itself and let it push to itself. You could have a local Postgres database sitting there and it's all right. pushing there. And then you could just have a on connect resync where you just, you're actually synchronizing Postgres databases is how you're actually pushing right. across yeah. to the cloud. So the architecture always writes to a local database. And then if it loses connectivity, no, the architecture supports that. So K3s is cool. I've never actually mm-hmm. seen it in, pra- in practice, though. It is yeah, cool on paper. Well, we hadn't seen Rancher in practice till we put it there. That's right. That's we got to bring it to the world, y'all. That's what we yeah. do. We're a consulting firm. We're thought leaders. We're oh we, man, so much thought leadership. We are on the we are We're on, on the, the bleedingest of edges, the yeah. bloody edge. Um, we cut ourselves every day. <laughs> yeah i've been known to cut myself yeah yeah totally um you know whether that's uh you know because our edges is, is too sharp or uh, because uh our clients are mean to us um uh, <laughs> Sometimes both. So say hello yeah. to sarah everybody listeners yeah uh so she's i've got i've had fun so. no you're good yeah she was just watching me gesture in the air with yeah, my arms she, like she was like well, i'm in the podcast now i was like well technically no you're in the video stream yeah but it's yeah, not recorded that's happened to Alyssa a couple of times and she's like oh am i on there like no really not, not on the audio yeah, uh, yeah. we yeah, don't really we don't record now, the videos currently spirit I uh Tyrell, you got all turned around and I don't know the layout of your house. And just when you flipped that back around, I thought you were I thought you were in the bathroom um for just a second. <laughs> like that the the I think that's a sewing yeah, machine yeah. off to your side there. It kind of looks yeah, like yeah. a urinal. Uh yeah, yeah, which I my first reaction wasn't it was not like holy cow, Tyrell sitting on the toilet on the podcast. My first reaction was like, he's got a urinal in his house. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's sweet. That's, that's, that's great night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just an optical illusion. Not He's not in the bathroom, folks. Uh, yeah. I didn't mean to. By the way, it's fun to be doing this again. As the listeners know by now, uh, we have moved to a a a two week a bi weekly bi weekly what you know um, that's our release schedule now yada 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 you have get we officially it. announced that anywhere we have on the last episode we did okay. uh, I I, I, I cut a now. special intro to let people know it's gonna give Bye. us more time to uh, produce content and mm-hmm. you know in the crazy COVID world it 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 got hard uh, to get in yeah. and do, for some reason yeah. seems like we're supposed to have more time. You um, think, but the world is crazy. Everybody knows it. The pressure, the pressure just went away for like three weeks. Where HBO is like, we're free, and then yeah, and then now we're not. No, nope. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> HBO free HBO Tiger King and stimulus. I only got to watch like, like hey. one season yeah. of Silicon Valley on free HBO, uh, and yeah, then because yeah. I'm way behind on that because I've never subscribed to HBO, so I was like, "Sweet, I'm gonna finally catch up and watch the rest of Silicon Valley." I watched the whole season, and then they took it away from me. They they have it wasn't even good yet. You didn't even have Jin Yang yet. Uh, oh. no, he's there. He comes in season two. Oh, does he? I oh, think Jin so. Yang, yeah, it's not the villain that Jin he, Yang. Yeah, without too many spoilers. <laughs> yes, gets, yes. You guys pretty be so proud of me because. You should be so proud of me because I almost did a Jin Yang impression and then I went, not in 2020, you don't. Nope, you, you just can't do that. Let the, go no. listen to Jin Yang on his nope. own. Nope, nope Let nope, him nope. do that. Yeah. We'd, be, we'd be getting uh, a phone call from a former product owner if that happened. Because he gets in trouble for doing that. He, like, I've heard him talk about doing an accented character. He caught a lot of flack um, mm. as an Asian American. Um, there, there are a lot of folks who, don't believe that you should do accented characters. Yep. Um, so, yeah, um, you yeah. know, I, I, it's a, uh, it's a hard world to navigate out there. There's a lot of folks who don't <laughs> believe you say, should be able to fucking do. I can't think of, I can't think of anything that's unanimously approved. Uh, but that's not for yeah. me to say. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna I, walk into a podcast and throw landmines all over the room and be like, let's step on this one. What do you guys think about this? <laughs> oh man, I love doing my hillbilly accent though. I, I will never back down from a hillbilly accent. That's <laughs> well, that's uh, what we can do. I own that. I that's what we get. That's what we can that, do. And, and what maybe what else we can do is we can bitch about it um, every time. <laughs> Every time uh, Frank Grimes has a Southern accent, we'd be like, "You Brits can't just come over here and and take that from us." People, uh, people, people of crimson necks must voice crimson necked characters. That is, <laughs> that is ours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, characters. Oh, oh that's, that's my red. That is amazing. Man. You like cr- crimson neck? Crimson I just made neck. that up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's that's ours. Don't take it from us. That's right. Yeah, I it's it's I I can see that, but I was very disappointed that HBO was taken away from me. It uh, I I feel like it was a little bit of profiteering. You know, at first, at first, I bought into the bullshit, and I was like, HBO is just straight up being a bro right now, trying to help the world's on fire. And they're yep. giving me something to do because they know I need it. No, mm. it was a goddamn captive audience for a marketing campaign. And I got hooked. I thought about buying it. But I did Hey, if you do if you were gonna buy it though, they have improved their app. 
immensely. I I like it. Like they they've included um, Turner classic movies and uh, does that include of, does that include the anime, Crunchyroll anime and a, and another uh, big anime publisher and so they so they've got a lot of content that does not TCM own right? all the rights to uh, the Bond franchise? Does that mean unlimited Bond? No, no, I don't think there's unlimited Bond. I on believe there. so. I they think might. I, I had unlimited bond, bond on some app. I can't remember you know if there is on there. It might have been the, on Apple TV. The Hobbit cartoon is Ooh. on TCM though. That was I had to watch. I had to watch that. How many times time. a month do I have to watch that to justify the six dollars or whatever? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff though. There's a lot of stuff. I even I, they have Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which was fun to go down that memory lane. Dude, again. that is one of few shows that I think I've probably seen every episode. Have you ever seen the finale of that show? Yeah, I don't remember it. But it's I know it's I a saw. it's a mix of like the episodic content, but also behind the scenes where they actually reveal the set and they show like the 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 bow that they all take on the final show. It's very emotional. You can imagine. You just want to yeah. give Uncle Phil a big hug because he's crying his ass off. I was surprised at how much I know every lyric of the intro. I found out. As I was singing on the way to the kitchen and on the way back. And it was like, holy crap, I remember every word. Do you know that there and are more verses to that song? I do. There's Which, a music video, pilot, like on the airplane. Like there's a step between Philadelphia and the, getting out of the air yeah. ca- uh, the, out of the cab. I, I think they play it on the pilot. I'm not sure if they just did that, you know, because they can now. But that's that's what I ran into. That I knew every lyric, but then was like, hey, that's not. That's not the regular stuff there. I that, just happened to see it. I always assumed it was like the actual music video for the Fresh Prince Jazzy Jeff song um, mm. and not necessarily something recorded for the show, but that was totally an assumption. Um, yeah. That, um, you know, what's really interesting is coming back to that, um, how, <laughs> how I relate to feel now, you know? Uncle like, Phil? Yeah, especially... You know, the kids come in like the other day. This was like <laughs> show, show Alan, and so uh, 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 one of the kids had like a fanny pack on, and it was like it was uh, silver. And I was like, "Oh my god, you guys just want the '80s back so bad, don't you?" It's what I it's what I said. But then you know, I'm looking at how Phil is looking at Will <laughs> and how Will's dressed all neon and yep, stuff. And, yep. I was like, oh man, yeah, okay. Well, I it's all right. I've gotten old and graceful, I guess. As long as you impart DJ that that Jeff. lesson at the end. Yeah, yeah. DJ, yeah. DJ Jazzy Jeff fact: Last week on Wednesday was National Wing Day, and Wingstop okay. had an online con uh, DJ set slash. Uh, Music, what, what like are those festival? Even called like a festival, festival, mm. ah, festival, and DJ Jazzy Jeff put it all together with a bunch of DJs, and so you oh. just streamed in on Wing Day. Yeah, DJs from around the world, and every like ah. ten or fifteen minutes, they'd be like, "Shout out to Wing Stop." It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I did get wings, but not from Wing Stop. Uh, Good call. Yeah. You did the yeah. right move, <laughs> correct move. Oh, I love Wingstop. It's I love no, Wingstop. I mean, I used to go there a bunch in Conway. They have one here now. Um, yeah. Is there one on MLK? Right. There is. 
Mm. I haven't been in a long time, but there are just so many good options for wings here. That mm. uh, between mm-hmm. uh, there's two really good ones over there in the same shopping center because Mojo's has excellent wings, but then Lucky Luke's might have the yeah. best. That's it. Is that That's what you what had? Yeah. That's Lucky what you Luke. had. Good call, man. I went and got that Lucky Luke's. Good move. That's how you celebrate Wings Day. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Wingstop. But thank you for the inspiration. Good idea. And Wingstop's got great wings. It's been a long time. I don't and remember. They're probably yeah, better than you know. You know who has crap. shit wings in town for a wing place? It's Foghorns. Real yeah. talk. I mean, it's just yeah. like they're like. Mm, I, I, I very disappointed. Every time I move there, I always feel like. Yeah, a little taken advantage of. Yeah. Like, really, that was eight bucks. Like, yeah. I'm not even cool. Like, I can get, <laughs> I can get the same quality, like the same level of 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 adequate performance from going to B Dubs. But at least those yeah. wings are like mutant, like crazy Tyson yeah. wings, where the wings yeah. are the size of drumsticks. You know, they're like leg sized yeah. wings. At least yeah, the, yeah. the quantity is is something. The the foghorns yeah, one. Equal quality, and they're like pinky finger-sized wings. Yep. I leave there hungry. But, yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, I usually, uh, the times I've been, I don't really remember leaving. But I know I was full. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> For some sporting event that I've been there. and In uh, large domestic drafts. Uh, yes. And, yes. As, as I deal with my social anxiety. <laughs> a former lofty employee who had a penchant mm. for not being wrong. He was <laughs> often right. Okay. Mm. Used to say, and this is one of the many things that I agree with, uh, is that Buffalo Wild Wings was great because you knew what you were getting. Yeah. Right. That like, if yeah. you were road tripping it and you were, and you were checking the map, you're getting hungry, you're I on a trip, you're coming in on a town of more than 50,000 people you know exactly what kind of consistent two-and-a-half-star experience you can get. Just go find the <laughs> speed ups, and you will not be disappointed um, because you know what you're getting, and you know there's going to be one. Um, yeah. And I can't disagree with that. No, no. That's, you know, sometimes you roll the dice, and you get lucky sometimes. There was, there was a place on the way back from Kansas City. I don't even remember the name of the town. It was a small town, probably smaller than Elkins. Mm. Um, but felt very much like Elkins. So we felt at home, but we stopped at, <laughs> we stopped at a place, uh, that was bizarre. Like we had to sit, sat in the parking lot for a second, not, not real long, but enough to go like, we, we doing this. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, let's go. Let's see. <laughs> Psych each other up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause, cause you pull like, it looks like a, it looked like a, a redone Mexican restaurant that was obvious. And that was also part of the confusion. Is this going to be Mexican food? I don't mm-hmm. know. It, the sound, the sign doesn't sound There's like a very it. colorful mur- mural on the wall in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then, and then you pull around and behind it, um, the locals, you know, will, will understand. It looked like arts, uh, okay. was like, was attached to it. So like in the front, it's like arts is the dumpiest of dive bar folks. If you don't know, it is indeed. Arts was attached to it. And then I figured out what it was while we were in there and I'm sitting because I'm looking down the hall. I'm like, that's arts down there. And uh, so that was the smoking 
part Let's of the say, restaurant. did they sell cigarette burgers there? Uh, <laughs> but but you had to go to the art side over there to, to go eat it. The door, you know, it was like it was one step up from arts in that there was there was a door, but it was like wide open. There was, <laughs> you know, you could still smell the right coming out, but but that was one of those gyms though that like we got in on lunch special uh roast beef day and like <laughs> for like five bucks dude i couldn't even hardly eat it all roast beef mashed potatoes like green beans corn and then even a, a slice of cake that was like you know uh bigger than a donut that they brought us at the end of it and they were just so hospitable we're uh, definitely very uh, adventurous uh, when we're like road tripping it to like try you know, a local small place, but yeah. it's it's for those times that you're not feeling adventurous that you want something safe. There's yeah. some safe yeah. options. We we yeah. found uh, one of the dankest of Mexican restaurants we had ever been to is in some town in Oklahoma, um, between Dallas and here, and it's not on the typical route to Dallas either. Um, mm. So not on US 69. So not like mm. you fall a. Whatever that path is down to Dallas. We were coming up from, well, Tyrell, I bet you know, because we were coming up from Gun Barrel City, Texas, uh, a place you know. Um, so we so we came up a little bit east of US 69, and we went through, it's like in Oklahoma where you kind of make the turn right towards 412, um, but I can't remember what town it was. Pretty small. Antlers. Say what? Antlers. It was Antlers. I think you're totally right. right. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Nailed it. If if so, it was a small enough town. I can find, uh, I can find this restaurant. I, I hope. I'm pretty sure I've eaten at the restaurant you're talking about. Antlers, Antlers, Oklahoma. This looks right. Wouldn't that be amazing? This looks right. That sounds so familiar. That name stands out so well. There's Antlers. There's Hugo. And it's on 271. Where does 271 take me out at? I'm looking. Do, 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 do. This Eat McAllister. This looks right. Yeah, it's before you get to McAllister. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it's either Antler or Hugo. Antlers or Hugo. I think but this Antlers is, is my guess. I think this is it. Antlers, Oklahoma. Mexican restaurant. Yeah, there you Execute. go. Execute. Marcos. That looks like it could be on the right corner. It Damn, was Marcos. I mean, There's a dirt lot behind it. We parked in it. I, I will never forget it because the food was excellent. Henry was... He was maybe 18 months. Um, and... Uh, he was big into rice and beans then. That was a consistent, mm, yeah. this would work. But like, oh, good oh. for that because they give you the chips, the salsa. So you got stuff yep. to eat right away. As soon There's as no you way. get in, that was the thing. It's yeah. like, we were yeah. like, we were, we, normally I don't think we would have taken the risk, but it was just like, we got to feed this kid now. Um, it was like just, seven o'clock and he uh, hadn't had dinner yet. Uh, so for those of you, it's a little one, you know that that's a, that's a death sentence. And so, yeah, I just remember that. But also rice and beans was like, uh, something that he would just destroy a restaurant with, you know, very messy at that age. And, uh, they were so super chill about all of the rice that he got on the floor. I'll never forget <laughs> it. It was good. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's fun. We're doing a food segment again. Yep, I feel like I, I <laughs> Tyrell brought up wings day and then I just took it deep. Uh, it's, it's, a, okay, it's a fasting I, day for me, Tyrell. It's supper, it's supper <laughs> time and, and we come, come up on it. I feel like we get to where just subconsciously it works. It's, it's what happens when you record this show at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we get hungry folks. Um, 
for for more than we start to think about it for more than a new javascript framework Um, dude another real quick on on the food segment let's do it pivot again um i found a uh a a uh a diamond in the rough that i didn't expect it was um i think we were in broken arrow speaking of oklahoma Mm. um i don't know why i guess i just don't really expect to find great food in oklahoma um i don't expect much at all Honestly, no, I, I really don't. As long as I can enter and leave Oklahoma with like all, all the fingers I have and everything, I'm, I'm great. Uh, no, that's really Oklahoma. You're great. We love you. Um, if we have listeners there, if not, I don't care. This particular um, part of Oklahoma is, is actually now an Indian reservation. So it's not, um, even, it's not yeah. even Oklahoma anymore. So there's anyway, there's a broken arrow. Um, we stopped there for gas. We're coming back from Tulsa. Uh, we had seen tool. And so we're coming back the next day. Um, and so we had some time to kill and we're kind of debating like, well, you know, should we just grab something, you know, on the road and just keep driving? And so I, I did a quick search like food near me. And, and I found a bistro that was a bookstore. Cause that's, those are like, it was food, but then it was a bookstore. That's I was like, Oh, that's this is the best because anytime Alyssa's like want to go see something I'm like they have a bookstore here <laughs> and uh, and so um, so yeah so the, and the dude was really cool um, you know laid back laid back environment and stuff and he had um, he had some uh, uh, he had some um, some some books that uh you know were hard to find like you had them in, in glass cases even that there was like some original uh, um there was that you guys may or may not remember a couple years ago netflix had that movie house on haunted hill i think it was something like that sounds um, sounds familiar i don't know if i saw it. Hill house Yes. And yeah. And so that's, that was written by a lady in the 1950s. Um, and, uh, I, I thought that miniseries was great. And so I did a rabbit hole, um, and found out that it, I, I think that they helped convey the story she was telling in the fifties, I think pretty well. Um, cause it's been remade before, but not really, I don't think really kind of, telling that story which is it's a dismal story but like it's good and so he had like he had one of those an original copy thereof and i forget how much it was it was like 500 bucks or something i love the good rare books in a bookstore yeah 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 that was was great powell's in old uh, old bookstores and old coffee shops second wave coffee shops tyrell have you ever been to powell's in portland i've not powell's house of books that's a good one that's a very good one. They have a rare book room on the top. All right, I shared my screen so you guys could see this because I wanted to make a record of it. I just pulled yeah. up Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, yeah. on the map. And you see what I see, okay? I'm zoomed out, and there's just a couple of things that surface up. And it just caught my eye, Bass Pro Shops, okay? Uh-huh. And now yeah. I want to wager how yeah. many miles from this Bass Pro Shops is mm. the Buffalo Wild Wings, and is it rated two and a half stars? Because I feel like it's in that shopping center and it's two and a half stars. That's what I thought when I saw it. I was like, I bet there's a beat-ups right there, two and a half stars. That's my thought 
Anybody want to? It's either there or it's over by the Walmart. Uh, I'm going to say the Walmart yeah. Supercenter. I'm going right. to over by the Walmart. All right, I'm zooming in. I'm, zo- I'm not even searching. I'm just going to zoom in until B-Dubs appears on the map. Let's see. We got Oklahoma Joe. We got Steak and Shake. Uh, doesn't look like there's a B-Dubs in that shopping center. What's across the street? We got a Taco Bueno. Mm, what's a Charleston's? Don't know. There's a rib crib over there. All right, let's go by the Walmart. This is maybe half a mile down the road. McAllister's, CC's, Starbucks, Jack in the Box. I don't know. Canera. It's not here. It's not here. Damn it! I just thought. I thought I. I thought I knew it. Let's find out. Where is the Buffalo Wild Wings? I gotta have one near there. It may maybe Broken Arrow might not have one. Broken Arrow. It, it does. It does. It's further down the interstate. Uh, I see. It, it is. Yep. I was off by two exits. Wait, did they have two? They had two. Well, I the think, other, I think I the think other one was one on each side. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other one's uh, ah, that might be Broken Arrow. It's it's closer to Tulsa. Oh, I see. I All see. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two yeah. exits down, a thousand <laughs> feet. It's less than a mile away. Four stars, Good. the best B Dubs in the world. Broken <laughs> Arrow. We got to go. 1,100 reviews. 1,100 people have been compelled to review this B-dubs on the interstate in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and it's average four stars. That has to be... What's the one next to Tulsa? What's the P-value on that? Uh, Is that that one four stars? This seems like a strong rule. This guy, you get in closer to Tulsa, what we got? 3.9 stars. 1,700 reviews. They must be really killing it in Oklahoma. Or, yep. or the bar is very low. <laughs> it's one or the other. Uh, all, right. all right. That's it. That Speaking concludes of, our B-dubs. The foods and such, this episode brought I'm to you actually, by B-dubs, by the way. <laughs> I would <laughs> yeah. take a B-dubs uh, endorsement. Just saying yeah. that. We get, yeah. they, they only, uh, one better. episode. That's it. They're going to cancel after this. <laughs> right. well, I've actually got to go get ready for a birthday date with my lady. So we'll go get some B-dubs. Wait, it's not your birthday, is it? Monday is, but. Oh, but we're celebrating okay. tonight. I, was say, so. I didn't get the alert. Yeah. I didn't get the notification. We're, cool. we're celebrating Alyssa's tomorrow with her uh, her folks. Uh, her mom just got a pool and I have the outdoor barbecuing out there. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Tyrell. Uh, I guess. Listeners, well, yeah. leave us a five-star review on iTunes and wish Tyrell a happy birthday. It mean a lot to him. Yeah. Or uh, we'll, we'll work to get that B-dubs endorsement with it. That's right. Five stars for B-dubs. All patrons are going to get a $2 credit. Uh, yeah, that's our podcast episode yep. title. Five stars for B-dubs. Five stars for that B-dubs. Note, T-dog out. Peace out, Tyrell. All right, man. Um, sorry, I'm still zoomed in on Tulsa. Let me get out of this. Let me shake yeah. my mind up. Oh, oh, Tulsa. Well, uh, writing code, you know, is what this show yeah. is supposed to be about. Uh, we, we, we rarely make it all the way I'm excited about our next episode I think it'll be our next episode We're going to have Blake back Blake yeah. wants to talk about uh, uh, Jamstack, Jamstack Which yeah. is which is apparently uh, an Im- Important enough of a thing To give it a name But I have my doubts So Blake's coming in to defend Jamstack As we usually make him do He's coming in here. He comes in on defense. He's got a defense. So this time it's that. And then we got to talk about this Haskell thing. I won't yeah. even spoil it, but there's something no. happening in the Haskell community, guys. That Haskell's is taking it up. They are just they they're they're they've they've got an idea for a brave brave new future 
and uh, it might give you a little bit of nostalgia. Um, yeah. So, so that's that's uh, you know I would say next week we don't do it two weeks from this show uh, that'll be the yep. next one. We'll record yep. it next week, and that'll give us plenty of time to edit out any good points that Blake makes uh, before it <laughs> airs. Somebody had shared a uh, an article the other day um, that that made me come in hot on because uh, it said something about like was it the Julia me? thing? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was say if we want, we can get controversial about this real Absolutely, quick. Absolutely, we can. Let's let's bring it out on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking um, for it now. Yeah, I can't. It opened. Have, it opened with like with Python in its death throes. Like what the f- <laughs> what? <laughs> what with it? it it's currently currently ranked the number one program. programming language on uh, Stack on Overflow. Some, yeah, yeah, and then uh, there was another one that's number two below JavaScript. But you, know, you might have heard like, of it. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I was. I said I was worried about the sun going supernova first. Oh, I, I found it. It's the Red Monk article. That's if you're looking for it. It was posted July 31st, 10:22 in the AMs, uh, back in our yeah. Slack channel. So uh, I had to go and I looked up the first thing I looked up on the ranking of programming languages. I remember I shared it, and Austin was like, "I'm. I feel like I'm playing. Who's like? Where's Waldo with Julia on here? Where, where's Julia? Julia? It was. It was down there. I." Oh, that's the the red monk is the rankings. The actual yeah. article was up a little bit from that. That's bye bye Python. Yeah, yeah. Hello Julia. As Python's lifetime grinds to a halt, a hot new competitor is emerging. Come on, hot folks. Well, I mean, hot. like you know what? I don't take issue with someone coming in saying they're a competitor, even if that's ambitious. But Python's lifetime grinding to a halt. Based on what? What information is that based on? This is in a publication called Toward Data Science. Show and, me a data scientist that says Python's coming to an end, you know. If nothing but, else, we have to keep smacking them and going, you know, Python's not good for that. Like, but I yeah. love Jupyter Notebooks. <laughs> Jupyter Notebooks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh I feel like it was it was definitely someone just coming in real hot. It's the title of the of the article is Bye Bye Python, period. Hello, Julia. Mm-hmm. And it's got a, a picture of a, a lady in the sunset with a hat on yeah. there. It's just got yeah. a, it's got a it's got a Gen Z Instagram model. Uh, yeah, exactly. Presumably named Julia. Uh, yeah. So I had to go look this up because I've heard of Julia, but it was like, wait, you know, because I never want to be left behind. And at Lofty, you know, we're we're we adapt, we evolve. Uh, and I had to wonder, was I missing something? And then Sandy check, like, no. Well, they point out the strengths of Python and, and specifically say it, it has a zillion well-maintained libraries. So instantly, I doubt the quality of the research that went behind this product because that is a very queryable number uh, mm-hmm. from PyPI. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't even have to speculate. Uh, and then they get supporting the supporting data shows Python is percentage of Stack Overflow questions rising from four percent in two thousand nine to twenty twenty and fourteen. And also, if you extrapolate this, is clearly an exponential curve that it doesn't doesn't appear to have reached its inflection point. And Julia, as evidence for how it's coming up, has a very linear growth. 
Uh, mm. Going from 0% <laughs> to currently sitting at 0.07% of all questions on Stack Overflow. So I really, shows me, I really don't know what this is trying to show this here. shows me how charts can, can lie to you or, or at least be presented a little bit sketchy like. Like this, two line charts right next to each other. Sure, the lines are pretty close together, but... Yes, you look at the numbers and like, oh, that's point zero mm-hmm. over here, and mm-hmm. over here they're they're actual uh, integers. Yes, they've uh, normalized <laughs> it. They've normalized it down by three orders of magnitude. Um, so that's a little, you know, it's a little sketch for a data science publication. I'm just gonna say, yeah. uh, their takeaway is forty years ago, artificial intelligence was just a silly niche, and now look at it, and mm. The people who are going to win, like Julia is very niche right now, but when it grows, the big winners will be those who adopt it early. Mm. To which I Mm. say, that's fucking bullshit. Python sucked in like 1983 or whenever the hell it was invented. Oh, it wasn't even around yet. Nobody won using Python. 1990. Yeah, it was early 90s. You're right. Python was awful then. There yeah. was not oh, a good yeah. choice of what to use. No. It was not a good choice at all. It was straight up a toy scripting language at best. And, you know? and now us being very much a Python shop, we didn't uh, we didn't lose by not being an early adopter. I mean, you use mm-hmm. the right tool for the job, folks. It's not about riding some wave unless exactly. you just like, I mean, like, this only makes sense to me if you tie it back to the original photo. And the idea here is that you want to be the biggest julia influencer when it comes in you're gonna have the biggest mm-hmm. julia instagram following <laughs> that there is or dev.2 yeah. which is instagram for software for julia this like, reads like a dev article by the way oh uh, yeah you know dev community um, oh it's it's like gawker it's like a gawker it, that is some hot takes like left dev. and right if you want some <laughs> some software drama and just people mm-hmm. just talking out their ass about this field that is the place to go i read it i do yeah, I enjoy yeah. it. It gives so great content get, for this show. Sometimes. I uh, I love uh, you know everyone has that thing in them where they um, no maybe not everyone a lot of people yeah. have that thing. You enjoy the disagreement maybe maybe yeah. a little bit. Yeah, some of us enjoy it more than others, and then some of us are mm-hmm. Sloan, who absolutely yeah. it is their lifeblood. It is the air that he breathes, and I support him. I do. I do. Yeah, I happen yeah. to agree with him, so that helps. Uh. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. This uh, is a the, very young language created in 2012. Exactly. In the grand so scheme Julia, of things, it's it's very young. It's it's uh, according to Red Monk, it's below Elixir and Erlang, uh, below CoffeeScript even. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's why when I first heard that article, I was just I first had to go wait. What happened to Rust? Yeah. Rust and go. Where did they go? What Hell, happened? Here? I mean, Fortran is still like several orders Fortran. of magazine popular. We can't just skip that. Yeah. Who's running the mainframes now? Um, yeah, exactly. Well, an R. If anything's going to give Python, this is in a data science public. Mm-hmm. If anything's giving Python a run for its money in data science, it would be R. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, think exactly. I don't think R is I don't know if R is growing in relation to it, ship to it. Seems that that's yeah. been an equilibrium for a while now. But that's what I where I would expect to see. Yeah, um, if there's going to be some, I I think I think the data science community is in pretty good agreement mostly on like R is really good if you know it to kind of you know to be able to start poke 
looking at the data and stuff like that. But as soon as you need a scalable application built on top of some data and machine learning and stuff, Python is where you want to go. Um, hey, hang on a that. second. There's there's something's wrong here. What's going on here? Haskell's Redmond Redmond shows Julia actually being higher up than I thought. I see it now it, under I mean, Elixir. Not, they have it above uh, popularity rank over 50% by number of tags on Stack Overflow. But over here, I've got it at like 0.07% on tag. What's up with that? Now I'm confused. Yeah. Who's, and that's the article who's that's scrubbing this for- data? Yeah. <laughs> that's the article it's for. Yeah, the, the article making the point has the weaker numbers substantially. Yeah. No, no, no. Do Julia... The author says, and let it be your edge. Mm. Folks, if JavaScript taught us anything, you don't need <laughs> to be looking for, you don't need to be edgy. Okay. That's no. how you get, that's how you get all the node hipsters and the, and, no the and the blackout <laughs> drunk rails conferences, you know, um, <laughs> your programming, your code doesn't have to be your edge, you know? You can okay. wear your fedora and write whatever language you want. Whatever you want. That's exactly. right, man. You do you. Yeah. No one's, I mean, I'll, you know, you can you can get tattoos on your face and write C-sharp.net. PHP. Good luck get getting PHP through HR logo. at Megacorp, though. That's true. <laughs> get the PHP logo. Get the PHP like logo on, the, on your head. Neck, neck tat or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your your yeah. programming language doesn't have to be your edge. That's the weird. That's the thing that I, I guess um, I find so strange about this uh, article. But everything else, it's like I really so. pushing. You got to be using it because it's going to make you cool. Um, and I just don't. I think that's you know that's something you know we're we're constantly defining our culture and stuff. And I I don't you know trust is a big part of it. And the other thing is I think why I disagree with and why. When I read that headline, it just hit me so hard, and I had to read the article real quick. And then, which is obviously intentional, right? Exactly, it yeah, worked. Exactly. Got a lot of it views. Worked. We're I fucking talking about it on this show. I'm going to yeah, put it in the I goddamn show notes, and then everyone here is going to go read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, but is is that we don't pick tools necessarily? I, I, let me put this way: we don't pick tools solely based upon the fact that we think they're cool. If you have you know, three tools that do the job equally well, by all means, pick the coolest one. Okay, style yeah, points yeah. matter, but right. like it, you know, and have fun doing it. Yes, but, you know, but that can't be the first line of table stakes exactly. criteria for what language you use. You know, uh, guys, I'm thinking. I, I think we should write this in in Scala. Why? Yes, I don't know. it's not Python. <laughs> yeah that's that's not a good reason well and 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 I, I maintain the the idea of being an early adopter of a programming language it may be fun you may be mm-hmm. excited about the prospect of helping shape a language and that's cool too um mm-hmm. but that there's there's no concept of um to be skilled at something when it becomes commonplace requires you to have been an early adopter of it that's just mm-hmm. needlessly risky okay don't yeah, go to your yeah. job and be like, there's this hot new thing, and I really think it's going to be hot in 20 years, so we should switch to it now. It's just like, no, the strategy is switch to it in 20 years when it's hot and keep using the yeah. thing that works now. Uh, can't take risks like that with people's shit, people. And I mean, there's still people, you know, there's Cobalt Cowboys out there still, still yeah. doing it because Cobalt's still around. And, like, that, runs, and that runs my bank account. 
That's how yeah. that's how my money is still there when I wake up in the morning. And if I find out someone starts writing that <laughs> shit in Julia, I'm gonna be very upset. Okay? Right. Don't yeah. don't do not do not play framework roulette with my bank account, please. Thank you. And so that's what that's what I find interesting with Rust is like, you know, because when Rust came along, I kind of thought the same thing of like, ah, but like what about Go? And you know, and, and there's been some articles uh, since then, I know, uh, I think it was um, Discord who rewrote their Go services in Rust, at least some of them. And there's something to do with Go's garbage collection that if you are moving blistering, blistering fast, um, its garbage collection may not be quick enough uh, for you compared to Rust. Um, but if you're a Python programmer that needs to move pretty, pretty quick, I goes great because like as a Python programmer, I can still figure go out. I know enough C that go makes sense to me. Um, and then I get a binary that I can ship. Um, I think mm -hmm. that's really great. So that's, that's always, you know, like, okay, so I get a binary, I can ship. Why shouldn't I do that and go? Why shouldn't I do it in C? C's been around since the seventies and still does what it does. Uh, you know, it's still, hell it's 10th on this list um you know so it's not going anywhere mm -hmm. uh, i did see that rust has been shown to perform faster than c plus plus in some in certain certain benchmarks right mm -hmm. yep exactly um and i could see that because because the dabblings that i did do with it it was interesting how it lets you it, it takes a bit to grok, and I still haven't grokked it by any means. I mean, I can't do anything effective with Rust. I would still go to Go and write, you know, Go. No, I'd go to C. But, like, Rust, um, it's got some tools in there to handle memory, though, that are interesting, um, that you can really get specific with it. Um, On how it, like, you know, garbage collects, or is it not actually yeah. a garbage collection? I don't know it, how it works. No. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's what's confusing because the, the articles I read around that time was like Rust doesn't have a garbage collector, but it does like, have some sort of like you can manage it yourself. But there is some sort of automated yeah. management, right? Isn't there yes. an easy button for memory management in Rust? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's uh, mo I, I'm pretty sure there is. You know, I know, and I'm not sure how effective Go is with this. This is stuff that I've been kind of mean to do a deeper dive on, but you know, Go. You can do something similar with Go. You can declare the type that it's going to be, or you can do the little um, uh, colon and equal sign declaration mm -hmm. of, of a variable. Or you and that's do, where you let the interpreter sort it out. Like yeah, what, what and that does, is. isn't that like... Um, interpreter, a compiler, but... Yeah, it, the, I can't remember if it's in Go or if it was the proposed thing for Python. One of them was doing... Um, instantiation and assignment simultaneously, right? Mm, that like mm, you can mm. declare a variable colon equals some other variable and it, it instantiates that variable and sets it to the, uh, you know, whatever's on the other side of the equality operator. Does that make sense? So the idea is that instead yeah. of like having to set it up as null and then add something to it, like in a loop, you can just do colon equals assignment. And if it doesn't exist, it'll create it. And they'll update mm. the assignment, and then like you can immediately access it in that variable name. So it's it 
it helps in a lot of ways. I don't know if Go does it the same way, but I know yeah, that was the not, thing that like almost killed by Py- it's the thing that killed Guido on Python was that pep yeah. around that syntax. He was just like, fuck it. You guys <laughs> suck. I will never fight for another. I stepped down. I'm not the dictator anymore. You guys yep. steer the ship. Yeah. You assholes. guys figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got it all figured out. I was looking, looking it up on Stack Overflow. Gar- like, what does Rust use instead of a garbage collector? Garbage collection is typically used directly on fan, like if the heap is close to full or above some threshold, it then looks for unused variables and freezes the algorithm. Rust would know when the variable gets out of scope or its lifetime ends at compile time and thus insert the corresponding uh, assembly instructions to read the memory. Rust has this concept of ownership, right? Is what kind of yeah. makes it unique. Um, that's, that's what I remember doing with the struct because I, I, as far as I had gotten with it recently, which was a, like five, five, six months ago, um, I had a little C++ program, a C program, and uh, a, a, probably a Go program too, and then Rust, and I was just doing basically a, a very simple like character sheet in D&D or something like that. So I was just kind of experimenting with, um, you know, with these different data types like struts and stuff like that, and what all you could do with them, you know, compared to an object-oriented language like C++, you know, Python, any of the others, and, uh, and then in C, and then I was like, Whoa, what can I do in Rust? And, and that's, I remember running across that syntax and just doing it at first and going, wait, what is this doing? And so you could, you know, you declare this variable and then down in the struct, you reference it, but it will be the same instance of memory that this will. And it yeah. knows it lives. But it's not a pointer. Function. That's the interesting right. thing about it. Right. right. Um, That's why I really don't understand. Well, I, I was, yeah. I was reading about it. I'm trying to remember what I've read before. Blake's talked about it. So the idea is that rust has this definition of ownership of mm-hmm. a data structure, um, which kind of replaces what a pointer does. Right. So instead of having written one place and you have a pointer to it, garbage collectors, use pointers to understand if something needs to be garbage collected. If there are no open pointers to it, it can be collected, right? That's kind of the fundamental premise of a garbage collector. Um, so it's mm. just Python does that. Python keeps track of the yeah. number of open references to something, and when that number goes to zero, it, it gets uh, garbage collected. If you're not aware of it, that like when you, if I declare A equals five, and then I go B equals A, and yep. then change A, uh, change B as well. You know, it's, they're not separate. They're pointing, they're pointers. And, and so rust, the, uh, the variable sort of owns its data. They call it ownership. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not piloted by a pointer, which means that like, if you deallocate that memory, there's no such thing as a null pointer exception. Like you might get in another low level pr- programming language, mm-hmm. but it'd be very efficient to have to, destroy something and recreate it to put that same data in scope in a different function. Cause it's scoped within a function or whatever, just like any other language. Right. Um, so they have a concept of moving and under the hood, I don't fundamentally understand what the difference is between moving ownership of a variable versus using pointers, but there is a right. difference. And the difference is that you don't need a garbage collector and you still can't, the compiler enforces, um, that you have to have moved it to reference it. So it prevents the existence of null pointer exceptions, but you don't have to have a garbage collector 
to clean that up for you. It's interesting. Um, it is. Everyone loves it. I we need. I need to try yeah. it. Yep. Yep. That's. Yeah. So that's what <laughs> happens when when a memory that a variable that owns the data that's in memory moves out of scope, it is destroyed. It's the memory mm. is freed up as soon as it comes out of scope. Right. So with pointers, you could have that pointer pointing at some memory outside of the function and then pass a variable by reference into the function and then access that memory from within the function. But in mm -hmm. Rust, outside of that function, that memory is freely, is, is removed unless you specifically move the ownership from one variable to another. And I don't know how you do that movement across the scope. I should probably read the yeah. fucking docs before I talk about it. But it's got, is, well, it's got, that's the part that I, I, I don't remember exactly the syntax, but I know it's got syntax that does that. Cause that's where I was looking up that like, wait, I declare this up here and then I declare it down here, but differently. Like, and then I, that's when I looked up like, no, it's, it's going to be the same thing, but not like, cause that's where I'm like, like a pointer. Like, and I'm one of the types of people that like, personally, I, I know that there's a line between, fully understanding every aspect of how a tool is built and being capable mm. of using the tool. And I don't necessarily have to cross that line. Right. And right, so right, right. I think that is the lesson is I don't, I don't feel super compelled to understand the exacts of it. Although I could go read about it and educate hey, myself, but question engines are fascinating, but I'm not going to go rebuild a exactly. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm compelled yeah. enough. I think it's important enough to know that what it does, what it prevents, um, the specific nuances of how it achieves it is fascinating for someone, not for me, uh, but but it is one of the things that makes Rust unique as a language. I don't think you fully have to understand that to be able to get stuff done. I don't think so. I don't really know how Python I mean, I have a rough idea of how Python garbage collection works under the hood, but it's an interpreted language. Yeah. We don't have to care. That is why we write at a high level. Um, we're, yep. we're up here standing on the shoulders of giants and complaining that we Absolutely. have uh, only <laughs> five weeks of vacation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and with an, with an interpreter, it lets me make mistakes a lot and quickly and rectify them quickly as well. <laughs> that is my yeah. style of programming. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've never loved test driven development and compilers um, are frustrating. I would rather um, blow it up nine times and, and uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I write code like a Roomba vacuums a house. You know, I bump into everything yeah. a couple of times and I eventually work my way out to the solution. Um, exactly. And at exactly. some level that is faster than uh, I have never diagrammed my code before I wrote it. Um, um, that's yeah, that's the one I've come around on, on TDD um, where TDD is the thing that I that like there are certain situations where I feel yes. like you've got to have it, you know? Yeah, I I like it. I like it if we're talking refactory. Like that's when I start to go, Ooh, yeah, we Let's better make sure better that when things. I'm done rewriting this shit, it still does the same shit it used to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I don't have to guess, um, you know, but starting out Greenfield, not necessarily. I want to get the concept down, you know, I want to get excited about it. The other yeah. scenario for me is when the, the logic flow is complex enough. If it's a big enough mm -hmm. flow chart of logic, yeah. I'm thinking about the, um, the automatic scheduler and delegate. Mm. is something that I wrote tests for first because there's a well, lot of stuff. It's like, do you repeat daily? Do you repeat weekly? Do you repeat weekly on certain days? Do you repeat monthly on certain days? That means the first day within that month. So repeat on the first mm. Monday. But if the first of the month is Tuesday, it's going to mm. be in the second week of the month, right? And so... 
because mm-hmm. of all of that, I literally just wrote out a bunch of hypotheticals. I want this to repeat every Monday in the first, I want to, this to repeat every two weeks. And so I just wrote out test cases from it and like, okay, given this schedule that I wanted to run on, what are the next six occurrences that I expect? So I pulled up my mm-hmm. calendar. I was like, all right, this is supposed to repeat on the first Thursday. So that's July 9th and July, yeah, and then and then August 7th. And, you know, I just like literally wrote them all out, wrote the test for it, <laughs> and then built the logic. And it worked really, really well. That has been bulletproof. Not a single that's- bug has been discovered yet in it. There you go. Um, that's, that's a good scenario. I think another good scenario um, is um, – when you're coming into a project and like you're coming in, it's an established project maybe. And, and, but you don't know it very well. You know, maybe you get it from a high level, you get into the nuts and bolts. And if you find the test coverage is lacking, I think that's a really great time to start writing some tests. It, Cause it's also, you're not really having to guess. Okay. Well, I think this works this way. So right. now I'm implementing a new feature. Oh, you're, you're, you're vetting really your assumption it. about what the code does. Exactly. So that even when it comes time for you to implement a new feature, you could be confident that you, you understand something else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, helps you learn along the way. And, um, I always like doing it to coming back around on a project. Like an old project. Yeah. Helps, helps me look at like, Oh man, I could do that way better. Yeah. You know, I could do that way, way better, way more reliable. That'll be easier to maintain. Yeah. It helps me, helps me come back around and revisit my own ideas for sure so i've come around on tdd but, but i don't really consider myself as you know that's that's not the first first thing i reach for i mean my thoughts on that are like uh i'm i'm a big firm believer in testing right um mm. tdd is a methodology the idea that yeah. that no code can be written prior to a test i take <laughs> issue with that i think anything yeah. anything that is that degree of like uh, uh, unbendingly dogmatic is a bad idea. Like I, I you can't agree. come I, in and tell me that I have to wait 45 seconds after I uh, bloom the grounds on my pour over to pour coffee. If you come in and say, <laughs> it's got to be exactly this much and you can't do it before 45 seconds, I'm going to be pouring that shit in 30 seconds just to prove you wrong because yeah. you told me I couldn't do it any other way. I get my I get my bloom organically. I just do it by feel, man. That's right. Yeah, it's like that <laughs> looks know? that looks done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that looks good. All right, that's good and foamy. James uh, Hoffman yeah. would be. He would just lose. Have you seen? Have you ever watched James Hoffman on YouTube? He uh, he's yeah, a he's a coffee yeah. uh, uh, guru. He's very yeah, I, very precise with his coffee drinking, and it's. Uh, I think I I looked at him for. Uh, uh, he has a. On- a video on, on literally every Aeropress. coffee making device. Yeah, yeah, he's got a good series of AeroPress videos. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. uh he's I, I I subscribe, mm. um, and it's one that I subscribe just to hate watch it, you know, uh, <laughs> because he is such a relentless asshole, and I it's sometimes it's fun. He's like, okay, today we're going to drink from an Aldi espresso machine. Oh, oh good God. <laughs> <laughs> oh good god it brewed with nine millibar or nine bars of pressure it's too oh it's destroyed my palate i'll never be able to drink coffee again uh, i just like watching oh, him cringe good. over yeah stuff yeah that. that's good i'm sure that it was perfectly palatable coffee but not he won the he won the cupping he won the national barista championship he's a he's a legit coffee dude he's actually yeah. got some pretty good videos i'll admit all right, Alan, take us out of here. What's our closing thought? 
We talked K3s. We talked K8s. Not in that we order. Did. We talked Julia. We talked Wingstop. We talked, uh, we talked, <laughs> we talked B-dubs. We talked uh, Rust. We talked, uh, we talked Pearl Jam, but we weren't recording then. Um, uh, we, yeah. Yellow Ed better. That's, uh, the guitar works great. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, you can play us out. That can, you can play yeah, us okay. out with there some Yellow Lead better. There we there go. <laughs> No, that's not it. Sorry, it's okay. We can just blame the uh, the we can just blame <laughs> the uh, streaming artifacts for that. Um, just say, uh, you know, close your thoughts. Uh, you know, choose your tools wisely. Don't don't pick something just because it's cool. I, I you know I, I mean I think the perfect example there might be the Kubernetes stuff. We're doing Kubernetes yeah. now. We're very yeah. happy with that. I'm so fucking cool. glad that we weren't early adopters, though. Can you imagine using oh, Kubernetes yeah. six, seven years ago oh, for our man. poor clients who'd just be like, what the fuck did you just hand? This is just a bag of parts. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> we just brought this to IT to support it, and they looked at us like we were nuts. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah man, that's because you actually brought the fucking Borg Cube into the IT department. <laughs> and they're like, get that shit out of here. Uh, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I mean, and you know, we were even Docker Swarm, maybe. I don't yeah. Know. So I yeah, like that. We, choose choose your tools wisely, uh, and and it it doesn't early adoption of of tooling is is I don't think a great strategy for success personally. Depends on I guess what you're trying to in in at. software. <laughs> I would say right if you want to yeah. build something that works and is reliable and like mm. you know if you're building something mission critical you need you need good tools you know and good support like that's that's the other thing about Python since we can agree Python's not going anywhere for a while the community really you and I can it. agree there are certain yeah. authors out there who said his, yeah. it has grinded to a halt apparently well, but that's what I'm saying about what you want to see succeed that if you want to write a controversial article and get a lot of clicks fuck yeah early adopt yeah. early adopt if early adopt and go, claim victory while you're at it yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to build reliable software that other people can also help maintain uh, uh use use the uh, reliable tooling that's for sure and uh yeah all right well thanks for hanging with us folks Fun. It's been a little while, you know. This two week schedule, it uh, you know, it stretches yeah. it out. It's, it's good. It to does. Again. It does. It's good. Bi weekly is good. That gives us time to get excited about our topics too. So I'm I'm excited about the next uh, our next podcast. Next podcast gonna be good. Everyone's yeah. excited but Blake because he knows what he's walking into. Ah, uh, he he'll get excited. He's 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 optimistic enough. I think he'll he can get excited. All right, folks. <laughs> It's been it's been fun. We'll see you in a week or two. Shit, we're gonna see you in two weeks. I gotta change the outro. Damn it! All right, (laughs) all right. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Friday Afternoon Deploy, recorded and produced by the team at Lofty Labs. 
If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to future episodes via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also follow at Friday Deploy on Facebook and Twitter for episode previews, live streams, and other behind-the-scenes peaks. Past episodes and show notes on this episode can be found at friday.higherlofty.com. That's friday.h-i-r-e-l-o-f-t-y.com. If you'd like to contact the show, or if you're local to the Northwest Arkansas area and would like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at podcast at higherlofty.com.